we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Well, perhaps you've seen this message or this post. I've seen it a couple of times over the years, but it, it, it never loses its meaning to me. And you know, coming into this time of year the, in the season, I think it is important to remind ourselves of number one, all our blessings, but number two uh, is, uh, are we accomplishing things in our life to what we wish to accomplish? You know, I mean, a, f a fulfilled life is what I'm speaking about here. And so, in references back to this book, you might have heard or seen the top five regrets of the dying. A fascinating uh, book and story behind all of this. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more, friends, on America Out Loud Pulse. It is Malcolm Out Loud here along with my co-host. Dr. Peter McCullough. Okay, and so we're here with you. And uh, let me let me set this up first, uh, Dr. McCullough. And uh, so talk about this. And, and I, I don't know, I imagine you might have heard of this as well. But what happens is they uh, this uh, lady who was a home caregiver, uh, Bronnie Weir, she's the author of this book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying, and it was basically over a period of weeks, she interviewed a lot of people who were severely ill and in, in the last days of their lives. And it became a common denominator that uh, people said, uh, and I quote, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me, was the most common answer she got from folks, um, that people were just many times going through the motions and not really living their best life or their full life or accomplishing their objectives, their goals, whatever it is. Um, and Oh, and then this profound question, she says, listen to this, listen to this. What will you regret at the end of your life? You, you don't need to wait and then look back and wish you had done things differently, she references. You can start with a clean slate today. Simply ask yourself what you regret at this exact moment. I got to tell you, my friend, I just love the sound of that, Peter. And I just, I think we all should ask ourselves that question, don't you? It's true. I mean, many are developing regrets right now. And if they were to look at those regrets and, and see which ones can actually be influenced, most common ones I hear is people think that they don't take enough time out to take care of their physical bodies, for instance let themselves become overweight and don't exercise, feel too busy in life to do so. And then they develop regret. Clearly, there's a lot of regret for splintered families, uh, you know, not having enough time uh, together. And there may be many more. Yeah. So when the question is asked, what will you regret at the end of your life? That's a big question. And, uh, you know, so if you or and I had to answer that, I'm thinking of listeners now that are listening and that hopefully they're asking themselves the same question right now. What, what is the thing you, how would you answer that? What, I mean, if it was right now at that moment, what would you regret at the end of your life? So you, like she says, if you had to look back and wish you had done things differently, what, what would the regret be for you? Can I ask you that? I can tell you, I I regret not being able to turn off work. I've always just blended work into my personal life. And 
And it's just, I've just never been able to find that boundary to be able to say, well, this is work and this is non-work. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's probably regret. Uh, you know, I bet my wife would say so. My kids would say yeah. so. But yeah. You know, we have it. a lot in common, you and I. But listen, I got to tell you something. I used to use the axiom uh, through all my corporate board days, Peter. It's like work hard and play hard, work hard and play hard. You know, it's something I used to always try to say or emulate out there for my executive staff and the people around me and what have you as the CEO of the agency. And, um, you know, I, I remember at times in full disclosure with you that, you know, being busy, busy, but looking out the window and back to your point of working aggressively in life to accomplish things 24 seven at times. I mean, not always by design, but by demand of the road we've chosen, the mission ahead. And I remember looking out the window at times in this busy, amazing office out uh, folks and up, you know, maybe on a higher floor and looking down and saying, oh, man, you know, just for a day, I'd like to be Mr. Numbnuts on the street. <laughs> I don't have any cares in the world. Have you ever questioned yourself with that, sir? <laughs> well, you know, you're getting to this issue of being scheduled and to, you know, be so structured. <clears throat> I'll never forget when, uh, my wife and I took our honeymoon in Jamaica. We met this guy, he was Jamaican, uh, you know, kind of Afro-Caribbean. And he would take us out on a boat and we'd have a wonderful time and we'd come back and and we'd ask him, you know, about his life. And it turned out, you know, he had about 12 kids at home and he lived about 50 miles away in this town. And we said, well, are you going to be back tomorrow? And then he said, well, if I get a ride, I will. Otherwise, I won't. And, you know, some people, that's their work life. Maybe they'll work. Maybe they won't. And I've always thought, boy, it wouldn't be great to have a life like that where, you know, you do work or you don't work. And it, it would depend on something like getting a ride or maybe you don't feel like working that day. Um, and he didn't seem to be bothered by it. Whereas, you know, if I missed a day of work, to me, it would be like a major catastrophe. And I would feel like it would be a catastrophe for my patients. If I didn't, you know, make it to this podcast recording, I'd, I'd feel bad. Um, and so I do like that perspective, or at least to get a glimmer of it to see how relaxed people are in other cultures. Yeah. And in, in my world right now, at this present time of my life, uh, Peter, I wouldn't be, I certain things wouldn't get done. The radio wouldn't run on time. The various shows wouldn't get out. The interactions would I mean, things are so dependent upon uh, you, you know, some of us, when we choose those roads, and it really is the mission. Uh, I call it the mission of a lifetime, actually. I say that to listeners all the time. And I do feel that way. It is a mission of a lifetime. Uh, the mission of... Um, good and evil, the mission of fighting evil or putting good in its place, the mission of America Out Loud, in fact, are the things that I speak about every day, every hour of every day. Um, but it is it is something we choose. We make decisions in our lives accordingly, and they 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 many times, sometimes can take our lives over. Uh, I have that same capacity right now. It's, it's really strange, but uh, in full confession to you, my friend, is that since the start of America Out Loud, I gave up a lot of personal life. Um, I didn't know where this journey, how far it was taking me. I guess I didn't realize I was climbing Mount Everest at the moment. And I always say now to people, I say, yeah, if you're going to, you know, set off and accomplish, decide to climb some tall mountains in your life, you know, in your mind, that is, 
better make sure you have a backpack with you. <laughs> and you learn that sort of the hard way when you set off on these things, but you kind of become goal-driven. So back to this question of what would you regret at the end of your life? Uh, you're talking about, I love what you put out there. You're talking about time, work, space, uh, maybe having more time for personal versus professional because it takes over your life with the commitments you make. That would be the thing you'd look back at and change, you're saying, huh? That would be it? Yeah. And it's not for me. I don't feel shortchanged, but Amen. I think family members and others, you know, may have felt for shortchanged. And it's because like you, I've been so driven. I've been, I felt, you know, my life has had a sense of purpose. Clearly in the last four years, I've been laser focused on saving as many lives yep. as possible as you are. Yeah. Yeah. So because we've had such great purposeful yep. missions in our life, that, you know, that's a natural consequence of having that. But let me say this, Malcolm, um, my wife and I talk about this a lot. It's really important. If you're going to travel, do it when you're young. Don't wait till you're retired and have knee problems and hip problems and can't go up and down stairs. We don't have any regrets regarding travel. We traveled hard when we were young, when we had an opportunity, and um, we continue to do so. Uh, because I see so many people waiting at the very end. They save this nest egg yeah. and they want to go travel, but they can't physically do it. Yeah, th th that's one of the things she brings up in that book, actually. And in the conversations, a lot of people, it was that they didn't see the world. They wanted to see the world. You know, there's a tip. Let me share with you something, too, my friend, that I, I use all the time. And this is kind of built into me. And maybe people can get something from this as well. But what I always try to do in my life, and I absolutely do it is I try to make every moment the best it can be. Now, when I say that, I don't like negative energy. I don't want to be around negative people. I, I, I just am not that kind of person. I don't like gossip. I don't want to talk about other people. You got the wrong. It's, I'm, I just, it's not for me. And so I like to keep the conversation and the people around me positive. And I kind of hang with people that are positive when I am doing that. I, do, I kind of push away from those. I, I just put up boundaries around me. But here's something I do a lot. And I don't know if you ever do this. It's kind of odd. And I don't know if this is just my thing or not. Try to make every moment special. Like if you're having a particular dinner, a dinner party of some sort, or you're having, or just putting a, 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 a charcuterie board out with some friends, or just trying to take a moment to, I don't know, whatever. Um, and I always try to make every moment the best it can be. And I do that with my wife, uh, children, uh, somebody coming over. Just make it the very special it can be. And do you ever do this? Do you ever, if you're in this conversation in a room, something big is happening, whatever it might be, I don't know. Um, maybe you're with some very dear close friends and maybe some of the alien. Maybe there's something else going on. Do you ever step out of the room in your mind, that is, and look back in and see what's happening and sort of take in the moment that way? Do you ever do that? I do and I pray. So, for instance, in our clinic, uh, we always have a daily prayer. Yeah. And I really, really, really force myself into the moment. I think it's really important when you pray to 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 just everything's got to be out. It has to be a direct communication between you and God. I think it's very, very important oh. and to be in the moment there. So if you have to close your eyes, if you have to look up, if you have to look right or left and just kind of be in that moment. Um, I, I extend that to going to church. When you go to church, I think you really have to be in the moment. You can't be texting your friends and checking the football scores and things like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I love what you say there, all of it, every bit of it. But being in the moment is, I take it even beyond that. I think it's real important for me in my life to be in the moment. So I don't live in, I, you know, I've never been somebody that lived in the past. And I don't, I don't imagine you are either, Peter. If you, I don't, like, a lot of people have regrets of the past. I know I've got siblings that way, other people, that they're always, like, living in the past, which is kind of like looking in the rearview mirror, which, like, in fact, that's a real problem for a lot of folks. You always, we always say, look through the front window 90% of the time and use the rearview mirror only when you need to, that 10% of the time for life's lessons, whatever it may be. That's a lesson I use in my life, in fact. But do you find that the case as well? That, uh, or do you live in the past? Because I don't have regrets of the past. I live for today, building on tomorrow, but today, live in the moment. I agree with you. You know, the the other thing about the past is we tend to begin to change our past to what we would want to view it favorably as opposed to the reality. And I think psychologically, one of the most helpful things to do is just realize we're all incredibly flawed people. We've all made mistakes. None of us have a mistake-free life. None of us. In fact, I think sometimes people don't make enough mistakes. And then later on, they position themselves for failure because they're they're too perfect. And, you know, making mistakes does you know that is the you know that is well that's the, the pinnacle of success peter that's the pinnacle it's the right pinnacle there, of success it's the basis yeah. of humility i mean i mean we're, we're humble because we make mistakes Amen. and so you know the first thing people say well uh, you know would you you know run for congress whatever i said listen my past is a is a patchwork of mistakes i'm loaded with mistakes i'm loaded with flaws and you know that's one of the mistakes people make politically is they expect our political candidates to have these blemish free, free records and uh you know if someone had one misstep that they should they should tumble down and i think those days are over with i think trump broke a lot of barriers on that hmm. interesting interesting what you say there um, it, it is uh, the Elon Musk of the world, the Warren Buffets of the world, those highly um, uh, driven, driven be the word I'd say, people, they've made a barrel load of mistakes. Uh, you know, that is actually the epitome of success. It's actually the 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 corner intersection of not just success, um, but um, for us as people, that we learn it's how we learn from everything you know how many times do you fall down and you scrape your legs but well, i'm not going to fall down anymore scrape my leg anymore like that because it hurts it hurts like hell and so it's sort of the best way to change your your uh your position of things is and you you have to learn but the whole thing is to learn from the mistakes you have to learn because if you don't do that you become an habitual offender and you don't want to be an habitual offender at all so it, let's. So as we come into the season, my, the reason I, I said to uh, you know um, Peter today coming into this program, I, I said to him, I said you know this I'd really like to talk about. I'm so thrilled we were able to talk about this in the way that we just did. And coming into the season of the holidays, it's a beautiful time to have some respite in our in our lives, even if it's only in our minds. But to you know to really capitalize on that. But I love and let me say something else here, um, Peter. That I I just November December are my favorite time of the year for this reason. I love the fact that we're getting ready for a new year. 
And I love the fact that, God willing, we're able to do it all over again, and that perhaps we get it right this time. I love the fact that we can innovate and we can create new goals and new ideas. And and I always do that. I don't do the the, the New Year's regret list or that stuff, you know, whatever. But I, I use real uh, structure in my life to set what my pace is, which is actually what I'm doing right now for the network and the platform. It's all about innovation and reinvention, I find, where um, it's just a beautiful thing. And it's actually what's made our country so great. But do you do, you do that at all? you subscribe to that at all? Because this time of year is, is special to me for that reason. You know, I, I think it's really well said. I mean, that's probably one of the most constructive things that come uh, from the holiday seasons. We want to get together. We want to check on our family members. We do want to take a little bit of a break. You know, I think be entertained a little bit. Um, but this idea that, you know, another year is ending. That's another year in our life. It's another year of, you know, historic history, basically. Hmm. And that, you know, we've we've seen it to the end of that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's very important. Everybody, you know, on New Year's Eve ought to ought to take a little time out and just think what's happened over the last year, yeah. and uh, and then to move forward. You know, to start fresh. Many many religions have that, Malcolm, where there's a there's a sense of renewal and starting fresh. Um, you know, coming up with uh, various new commitments, personal goals. Uh, these are all things that 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 people can do to, in a sense, have a healthy mental life. And getting back to the story, uh, a, a lot of the regrets deal with this idea of your own personal psychological health. That you know, it's useful to do a self inventory to ask yourself, you know, are you truly happy? Um, you know, what are some things in your life that you want to improve? You know, who's really good about sending motivational messages is the Canadian psychologist, Jordan Peterson. Yeah, he's good. He's good for a whole lot of reasons. He's, he's, he's excellent. Um, you know, I, I envy that I had on viewpoint on the weekend. I don't know if you heard it, but I had uh, Alveda King, evangelist Alveda King. She's one of my most favorite, favorite people in the world. She happened to be at Mar-a-Lago. She had just had some meetings with Trump, in fact, coincidentally. And uh, we actually did the interview from there. And uh, I had her on viewpoint, and I love to have her on as often as I can. I mean, it's just such an amazing woman. But she's so positive. She takes whatever's going on and is able to talk about it in such a positive, uplifting way because of her faith and who she is. I love that about her. You read her feed and you read the things, but not living in phony land. She'll address the problem, but she'll come back and talk about what we can do about it. Isn't that cool that she does that? I think it is important. And what you said was important that she's not in phony land. Meaning, have you ever met people, Malcolm, that it seems like they're excessively happy, like it's almost fake? Yeah. Happens a lot. And Yeah. And that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, being happy and being fake. But there is something about being a glass half full. Do you see things positively or do you tend to see things negatively? And the people who are glass half full the research shows over time they're they're much more likely to live longer. Mm, I love it. I love it. I love it. My glass is not only half full, but it's runneth over, my brother. <laughs> runneth over. You know, 
Uh, I look at life that way in many, many ways. I got to share with you one last vision I have, and let's see if I accomplish this, Peter. But my goal, we talk about what are the, uh, what will you regret at the end of your life? And one of my goals, you're just going to love this, is, and I, I just have to put it out here because at some point I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to be there. It's going to be to have my studios. And I love being able to talk to people around the world. I love what we do here. I, I'm, I've been blessed, beyond blessed. Uh, it's like, it's amazing. I, it's a dream of a lifetime. So I'm doing what I want to do. I'm doing what I was supposed to do, what I'm meant to do. Since I was 14, 15 years old, I knew God was going to use me in some really interesting ways. And here I am. I mean, we're doing it. We're doing it. And, and I get to play with people like you, Peter, who become dear friends. And just uh, what a pleasure of a lifetime to work with the people I get the opportunity to work with. And But my goal is to be able to do this, but I want to do it in a an amazing studio that is beautifully, um, uh, I love art. I'm, I'm a collector of art, but art is always going to be around me. But I want to see, I want to see glass walls in, on one side of the, and I want to be able to look out and see mountains there. And I want to have the creek close by. So I love hiking. I love walking. I love getting out and seeing that part of life. And so I want to have the mountains there, the creek. I want to see the creek. I've got to be able to get my and I want to be able to talk to uh, Americans and our fellow people around the world and do this show and do my broadcast from that studio on vantage point and call it something unique, but just this really unique space. And I can have people come in and out uh, from around the, the world and visit me there and maybe just do some cool stuff there. Uh, that is simple. Listen, simple enough, but it really is uh, about details. I'm a, I'm a person of details. I really want the details to be right. That's my goal, brother. So if I get there, I hope in this lifetime I can get there that I don't look back and say, man, that's a regret. Huh? What do you say to that? <laughs> well, that's the first time I've heard that aspiration. And um, it sounds good. And this is very important. A lot of people want to be able to see something. Yeah. Right. So uh, we're in our cubicles right now. I'm in the media room in my clinic. I can't see anything outside of the insulated walls right now. And I see a, a, a picture that my dad painted. Um, uh, but, you know, many of us would want to see the mountains or want to see the river stream or ocean. The visuals matter. The day-by-day -day visuals matter. Absolutely. My wife says that. She says she, she wants to have a house with a view. My house has a view of the house across the street, like most other people. <laughs> and I look out the backyard, I see people's garages, just like mine and the electrical wires. Um, but you know, these are aspirations. Um, well, and so when you retire, yeah. these are the types of aspirations that are achievable, right? Or yeah, yeah. semi-retirement. I don't want to retire. I don't ever want to retire or semi. I want to stay active until my last breath. <laughs> well, well, listen, you just laid out a really nice goal. That's something to work for. Yeah, and it, now it may take moving from where you are right now. Exactly. I don't, I don't even. I don't even tell people where I live now. I never break it because of the the communications. We get so many uh, people that uh, come in that uh, email. And most of them are beautiful and positive, but we, I do get threats and that kind of thing. And so I'm careful. You know what happens there. What I share, but yeah, no, it would require that. But I'm anxious to do that. Actually, you know, I think the visual is very, very important. Peter, keep in mind, I'm a creative guy. I'm a visionary. I kind of see what other people don't see in my life, and I've always kind of done that. But even now, in our home, outside of my home, I have a lake, and I have animals. I have deer that come in. Other stuff. I've got to have that. I. It was very rule for me. Even more important than a garage and a bedroom was the view. Believe it or not. 
Uh, and so there are certain things you put in your mind that you want to do or not do, because I've been there the other side where it's that. But to me, the view was more important this time than it was like other stuff, like whatever the stuff was, because I don't really need a lot of stuff anyways. I don't really care about stuff, you know, like people collect things. I don't know. I, I'm just not. I, I Actually, I'm a minimalist. I like less is more to me. You know, they, I like to walk in. I like details, but I like less is more. Uh, do you collect a lot of stuff? Are you a collector? Like, do, is your wife always yelling at you get rid of stuff, or are you the opposite? No, I am not a collector. I do not like to accumulate stuff. My know. wife is constantly accumulating stuff, and it drives me nuts. But I learned something from my former office mate, the late Dr. William Roberts, <clears throat> and he said, take any material belonging, hold it in your hands, and if if you don't feel love love get rid of it and i've always thought that's a great thing you know this little trinket this little this little you know knickknack do you really love it and the bottom line is people really don't generate love from these material things and how many times do people move and they put their stuff in storage malcolm have you know all these storage temporary yeah. storage places yeah. yeah do you know what happens to that stuff the majority of the time, the people never pick it up. No, 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 no. I'm, you're spot on, Peter. I just said to my wife the other day, I, I'm on her all the time. She collects things. Uh, she's like your wife in that regard. I don't. So she's always wanting to like the stuff. She's got buckets of stuff. She got like the tube, you know, the stuff you put things in and like the, what do you call it? The storage things, Peter, you know, like, you know, the tubes. Are, oh, you know, no. Got, Don't tell me uh, the plastic storage. Oh, bins. yeah. She's got those in the garage. We got them by color, oh, by, no. holiday, by color, by stuff, by everything. It's like, oh, my God, help me out. Yes. <laughs> and I got to go in and deal with it. She'll say, can you get me such and such from Easter or I don't know. We'll look for the color. Oh, my golly. I guess she's got that stuff. Where I always tell her, listen, if you're not going to use it over the next year, you know what my rule is? If you're not going to use it over the next year, get rid of it. Give it to Goodwill. Give it to somebody who needs it. And we'll buy it again five years from now if we need it. She says, you're out of your mind. I said, it's cheaper to do that than to store all this stuff. Well, it's true. And some of this is hygienic. When it gets down to clothes, yeah. Do you have clothes that are twenty years old and thirty nope. years? Old? Not me. Not me. No. Just, just, yeah. just. It's it's hygienic. Change them out. Yeah. Um, you know, the bottom line is, as people get older and older and older, my wife talked and I talked about this recently. You know, in, in the end, all these treasured material things yeah. just they just don't matter. In they the don't end. matter, Peter. They, they don't, don't matter. matter. No, they mean nothing. But these items and stuff that people collect. I mean, I love to have art and stuff, but none of this stuff. I'm not, I don't, yeah. I, people are far more important than trinkets and stuff like that. In fact, they always say, back to that list, some of the best things people ever did was a trip, a holiday, a gathering of people, human to human touch. Those were more treasured gifts and even holiday gifts, by the way, than whatever, you know, uh, I don't know, a, a bread box <laughs> or some trinket or some fancy car or something you maybe didn't need. But anyways, you know, what a privilege to have this conversation with you all and to have it with uh, my dear brother here, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, is really a joy for me. I love talking about these things and how to accentuate our lives and how to benefit from each other's experiences and move them forward. This is actually one of the things I love to talk about. I could do a show just on this, actually, and be very rewarded than to talk about the buffoons in Washington, D.C., or whatever else is going 
that's criminal in the world. I'd much rather do this and motivate. I actually like motivation and actually inspiring people to be ourselves. Anyways, uh, so as we, I thought this would be a great start. We have some other things we want to talk about as well here. Of course, today we do have uh, questions we're going to get to. And this is Q&A 92, by the way, as we continue to move the ball forward uh, in the new year. Uh, as we're headed toward the new year, we're not there yet. Let's not rush it. Let's not rush it. We still got a lot of time left here as well to do that. Uh, but let me remind you as well, a couple of things here. AmericaOutloud.shop is the place where we have all our partnered sponsors. And these are great companies and really relationships is what they are. Um, and the, it, we've just been blessed again, is all I can tell you. But really trying to bring these products to the awareness of people and put them out there. We've got some cool stuff that's going to start coming together here. New products from the wellness company. Uh, you'll start to see some new ads that are coming out. Healthy Cells got a whole line of new products and some specials and promotions. We'll have that in the next couple of weeks. But be checking out AmericaOutloud.shop. Uh, all those, use the code OUTLOUD and get the discount in those products. Um, and that's the way to do it. We'll talk about some of them in the q and I'm sure, because they come up naturally when people send in questions. So, But that's that's the place that we've got there with the negotiated uh, things there. And again, please help us on America Out Loud News. Share the out loud truth. We're working really hard uh, for uh, for all of us, uh, for uh, Western civilization, I would say, but for uh, liberty and justice for all. And got some exciting things happening at the end of the year. And I'll be the first to tell you that the entire platform and website at AmericaOutloud.news will be changing and will come back live again on January 1st, 2024. We will be going off the radar a bit, the website now, on the 22nd of December, Friday, December 22nd. It's the first announcement I'm making on this, actually, but you'll start to see it. We'll be sending this out to folks from the 22nd to the 1st, a whole new platform my team is working on. Really super excited and juiced about this. And it's going to be so innovative and so cool and so unique. Come January 1st, 2024, you'll want to check that out. Now, the talk radio signal will be live. During Christmas and New Year's, we will be running Best Of. We'll be running Christmas Classics, actually, on the weekend, the 23rd, 24th, and 25th. Celebrating Christmas and uh, our Savior. And that'll be those days. And then 26th through that week will be best of on talk radio. And then the website will be, we'll, we will just have a, a static message up there that week. And we'll be, we'll go dark, our news feed. That's the first time we've ever done that coming up on eight years. But this is the time to do it now. And I'm going to take that respite time to do some things as our team is working on things. And I'll be working as well with them, but taking time. So anyways, that's what's happening there. I wanted to share that bit with you here. We're going to take a pause now, and we'll join you just on the other side on America Out Loud Pulse. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity.
Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. In 2008, people could spend an average of 12 seconds on a task without becoming distracted. Five years later, it was only eight seconds. The digital age is narrowing our attention span. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top, shoot it down. Thousands of five-star reviews proves it works. Supercharge your brain and see the difference. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. And uh, this is Q&A 92. Uh, today, uh, we're going to jump into some questions and some Q&A. Um, and thank you for uh, in- enjoying and listening to the uh, upstart of the broadcast. And I hope that helped folks out. I hope that maybe gave you some food for thought and maybe put a jump in your own step and maybe some ways to, to, to think about your own life. So let's jump into some questions now. And this one is from Buffy. Uh, she says, my husband and I have had COVID twice once in December 21 and again just last month. Both times we were fortunate enough to have ivermectin. However, in light of what you said on a recent show about a patient getting a blood clot after having COVID twice and not being vaccinated, I'm wondering if there is anything you can recommend for me and my husband to take to avoid getting blood clots. We are both educators and exposed to six students on a regular basis. We, we take zinc, vitamin C, natokinase, the NAC, quercetin, and uh, let's see, we're both in our early 50s, so they're young, and my husband has slightly high blood pressure. Nine of us took the shot. Thank you, and God bless. Any thoughts to Buffy there? Fortunately, the natokinase is a form of a blood thinner, and the dose can be increased from 2,000 twice a day to 4,000 twice a day. Additionally, bromelain can be added 500 milligrams a day. That's also a blood thinner. So it works for detoxification as well as blood thinning. And that uh, package of three now, the curcumin, the bromelade, and the nandokinase are indeed available through the wellness company. Uh, You'll start to see the ads go up in the shop, by the way, in the next many days, and you will get the discounts on those products as well. Uh, so uh, I've just had uh, discussions with uh, with them, in fact, and that's happening uh, as you hear the broadcast here. Just, again, go to the shop. Uh, okay, this next one is from Bruno. Thank you for taking the time to read my question, Malcolm and Dr. Peter McCullough. Uh, that spike protein 
test that has come into market will measure the level of spike protein in the body. My question is, with this test, could it be a proxy that both the spike and mRNA is out of the body? Also, will this test be available for the public to buy? He's asking. I think it's a good question. The spike protein definitely will be a proxy for what's contributed by the the infection and the vaccine. I think mainly the vaccine because the infection spike protein is just the S1 segment and it's trapped inside cells. Um, but the assay, as I understand it, probably will lyse the cells, measure what's inside cells and in the plasma. And yes, um, if the spike protein ultimately gets out of the body, that should be a proxy for the the RNA ultimately being uh, dissolved and out of the body. No one's ever shown the messenger RNA dissolves, but we have to hope and pray that the human body does ultimately get rid of it. Amen to that. And I know a lot of people are trying to do exactly that. We've discovered a lot uh, uh, to that point. Uh, this one is from Susan. <clears throat> I recently saw Sherry Tenpenny explain in a video that the vaccine will sensitize the immune system by destroying the toll-like receptors in B cells that that uh, all the vaccinated will uh, be susceptible to uh, to more 1,100 diseases, and that within three years, the number of cardiovascular diseases are going to skyrocket. There's a lot of talk about this actually out there. I took a, two shots and have been on the spike detox, but I'm incredibly worried about this um is uh so dr mccullough just to be straight is uh, are people right that are saying this are we all uh vaccinated goners she asked or should we just accept it no i don't think everyone's goners and that's the reason why we've you know innovated with the base spike detoxification which will improve our, uh, over time i do think it's reasonable to have a check on coronary disease uh, coronary artery calcium score if you're between the ages of 45 and 75 with additional risk factor. I just had a patient today. He didn't take the vaccine, but he had COVID a couple of times. And you know what? He got surprised and needed a stents, two stents put in his LAD artery. And I asked him, uh, you know, did we get a coronary artery calcium score? He wasn't my patient. He was the husband of another uh, of a patient who I saw, but you know, I knew him. And uh he said, No, I didn't do that. And I when I thought about his case, I said, gosh, you know, maybe we should be more vigilant now in this era of COVID. Remember, COVID itself promotes the progression of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease and the vaccines. Okay, this next one is from uh, from Theory. Um, I have a question regarding the natokinase and other supplements. Could the natokinase be dissolved by the stomach acid as it is taken orally, and because of this, is it useless? Wow. No, it's not dissolved by stomach acid completely, but yes, it can be, uh, in a sense, burned up in the food stream. So take natokinase on an empty stomach. Recently, Tanakawa and colleagues have come up with a blood test to measure how much natokinase is in the blood. And so that's proof positive it's getting into the system. Is it better to take it before or after? Uh, I'd say in between is probably the... Okay. It's probably the best. All right. So, but definitely uh, outside of the food. Okay. Uh, Sharon says, do you take all three supplements at the same time to detox from the COVID-19 vaccine? Do you, in other words, they're asking rather than one or two, is, uh, is, are the three working together? She's asking the way to, to be able to detox. You, you, you know, we give them together in our clinic because we have a product that incorporates it into a single capsule 
if you're working with wellness company or others, you can take them, you know, all together, but just take them on an empty stomach. The nice thing about natokinase is it lowers blood pressure a little bit, lowers cholesterol. Some patients state that, you know, it kind of cuts their hunger a little bit too. So people wanting to lose some weight, another reason to take them on an empty stomach. I can see a lot of people based on that advice going to get natokinase now. Based on that, I didn't know all that. That's pretty, pretty interesting. And remember that natokinase actually comes from Japan. I'm pretty sure it is Japan. And they are some of the more healthiest people out in Japan. Is that a correct statement, uh, Dr. McCullough? It's true. The Japanese have been using natto for about a thousand years. They eat it for breakfast. It uh, is anti-atherosclerotic, anti-aging, lowers cholesterol, lowers blood pressure a little bit. It's got a lot of favorable attributes. So there's a lot of people discovering natokinase now. Okay, all right, cool. Now, this one's from Justin. I took two shots in 21. A lot of people took two shots. It's like it wasn't one or four. It was like two. Or they went all the way and they're on eight or nine now or 10 or whatever. It'll certainly, soon enough, it'll be 42 booster shots. Uh, my golly. Uh, Justin, As I, uh, uh, but I digress, right? I took two shots in 21. I've been on the base spike detox along with the intermittent fasting. And whilst I'm feeling better, and have had heart checkups, I'm worried. I want to go back exercising and all, but I'm worried about something happening. Is there anything that can be done to be sure I'm going to be okay? And Justin actually asked a pretty good question, Dr. McCullough, because a lot of people have realized with the athletes and stuff, those that have exerted themselves with exercise, that sort of thing, athletic things, that sometimes they paid a price. I think that's what he's kind of alluding here with the exercising um, remember, he had the two shots in 21. Uh, what do you say to that? I'd say for any question like this, get a medical stress test. Not with an echo, not with a nuclear scan, just an all-out stress test. Be ready to go all out. Just prove to yourself that the heart rhythm's fine, blood pressure responses and heart rate are fine. And that will give, you know, give him a lot of confidence. That makes good sense. I know I just had mine checked with my uh, physical I had uh about a week and a half ago, and uh, have a good heart. I told the doc I had a big heart. So, <laughs> so uh, Cindy says, I was recently told that the Hippocratic Oath was changed. You did a show on this. Maybe that's what this is about, uh, that it was changed in the 70s when abortion was made legal. Hmm. If you do some research, I think you will find the oath doctor's take is totally different from what it used to be. You know anything about that, what Cindy's asking? There's about 300 medical schools, and they, they almost certainly have more watered-down versions of the Hippocratic Oath. I've got the full oath here in my office. The full oath does prohibit a doctor performing an abortion. The, the oath also says that the doctor will not give a patient a poison, you know, like the COVID vaccine. And, you know, I recently had Donna Harrison on my show, and it was the first show I had regarding, uh, you know, pro-life or pro-abortion. And uh, she, we spent it all on the Hippocratic Go. So if you want to go to McCullough Report, look on, on that about the Hippocratic medicine. But I learned from Donna that about 15% of uh, gynecologists will perform an abortion. 85% will not. Yeah, there was a powerful show. Um, just go to the nav bar, the menu, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, where it says uh, shows on the um, Mark Rotloud dot news, and 
dropped down to the McCullough Report. All the shows are there. A lot of you ask how to access them easy. That is a way. Of course, or just subscribe to Apple Podcast or Spotify, Stitcher, any of those, uh, Pandora, iHeart, uh, hundreds of networks. Uh, surely we're on there. Um, one thing about the Hippocratic Oath you were just talking about that um, I learned a couple of things with what you just said, uh, that I'm just thinking about, and I don't you correct me if this is right or wrong, but I would say the large majority, I mean, I don't know if it's 90%, but it surely is a big percent of the medical industry, based on what you just described, have broken the Hippocratic Oath at this point. I don't know who's left to be honorable at this point to say they actually honored the oath, but putting the abortion aside, and that's a big enough number itself, sadly, but the other number of the vaccines and all of that, I mean, you just described with the words, that's all against the oath. So I don't think there's a lot of honorability in there. Is there any more? Is that overstated? Uh, no, I agree. I think the Hippocratic Oath has been trampled on in the pandemic years, and it clearly is with transgender medicine, Malcolm. So the litmus test is, did a doctor treat every patient he could for COVID and save as many lives? Did a doctor warn people against the dangers of the vaccine? And has the doctor spoken out regarding the harms of transgender medicine? That's the litmus test. I can say that I have fulfilled my oath. The question is, how many other doctors can say that? Yeah, yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, I was thinking of that as I was talking, uh, saying what I just said a moment ago, that you have uh, definitely uh, one of the few in that, and listeners would know that immediately, uh, uh, the exception to the rule, if you will, the exception to the broken rule, I should say, is the better way to say that. I never heard it put that way, but that kind of is what we're dealing with here with the Hippocratic Oath, I think. I think yeah. Uh, this one, next one is from Simon. Uh, Dr. McCullough mentioned these pets being abnormal on vaccinated people. One thing that I find confusing is that if this is the case, would this not show up in blood panel tests and heart scans, etc.? Would the blood show the troponin levels increase uh, in blood uh, MNP irregularities? And if these are normal, is, is it a sign of recovery? Simon's asking. Great question, Simon. Uh, no, there's no blood test correlate of what you see on the cardiac pad. It's a unique and distinct finding. Uh, it, it's a very sensitive test. It's showing that in the vaccinated, the cardiomyocytes shift to preferring glucose as their major source of fuel as opposed to free fatty acids. And there's no blood test correlate of it. It doesn't correlate with troponin. It just shows metabolically the heart muscle cells are sick. And we don't know what to do with that finding right now, but I was stunned how it was virtually everybody who took the vaccine had an abnormal PET scan, positron emission tomography. Wow. Okay. All right, Simon, there you go. This one is from Maddie. I was reading Dr. Colleen Hubert's substack in which she explained that the pericarditis and myocarditis may show up in people previously free of such complications. Is this a possibility, she asked? It's possible. Um, <clears throat> it could have not been detected early and then show up late. Like today, I saw a doctor who took uh, three shots. Wow. And in 2021, 2022, he didn't have chest pain, but he started to get leg swelling, had trouble breathing. 
And it wasn't until about 18 months later where he was diagnosed with heart failure and had a low left ventricular ejection fraction. So looking back, he had myocarditis. He didn't realize it. And then he ended up with heart failure. Uh, this one's from Fred. These uh, PET scans show the shift in metabolism of the heart, which means the heart is sick. What would mean, what would mean is wrong with the heart? Myocarditis or cardiomyopathy? What do you say to Fred there? The best way to characterize it is it's a form of a metabolic cardiomyopathy. Something Cardio means heart. Myopathy means something wrong with the heart muscle cells. That's the best way we can describe it. Okay. But right. the Nakahara paper is what we've been talking about is a stunning revelation. And we have seen cardiac arrests in people without myocarditis. Let me tell you with these questions, uh, for those who uh, you're asked sometimes in your email and then where to send them, uh, just go to the menu uh, at shows and there's a drop down the America Out Loud Pulse. That's the best way to send them. And just click there's a drop down and just type in Dr. Peter McCullough, well, drop down to Dr. Peter McCullough and send it right in there through any of the hosts on Pulse. You can send the questions in. And I'm just thinking about that because here's a little bit longer one. If you will uh, have patience with me, uh, friends, I'd like to read this one to Dr. McCullough because it's very, very strong. And this is from Cheryl. So bear with me. And I don't often read them this long, but I think this is uh, purposeful to do this with. Cheryl says this. My 83-year-old mother caught COVID on the day she received a flu shot from her doctor. Two days later, she was very sick. And after 10 days of coughing and exhaustion, she drove herself to the emergency room because of pain in her chest and back. They found that she had AFib, which lasted for one minute, she says. And then her heart rhythms returned to normal. Then they told her she tested positive for COVID at the hospital. The next morning, I called to see how she was, and she said, they are talking about giving me remdesivir. Of course, I said, absolutely not. My mother then hesitantly told me they had already given her a dose of remdesivir last night. It seems that in the back of her mind, and again, she's 83 years old, keep in mind now, she recognized the word remdesivir as one I said was a bad COVID drug that she, she, she should not uh, take. She had come to the hospital, if she had to go to the hospital, that was. Was she going to question their expertise? She asked me that. Did I have the right to refuse it? She asked. Again, her mom's a little bit older, so I understand that. I didn't know what to do, she says. My focus was to ensure that my mother would receive no more remdesivir, probably thanks to the steroid they gave her. She was feeling pretty well and wanted to go home. But the nurse began bullying her, telling her that she was not going to be discharged. And if she refused to complete the hospital's COVID protocol, her insurance would not cover her bill and she would have to pay for everything. Now, there's two really big bad things right there that hospitals were doing. This really should irritate everybody. Let me come back to this, what, what she's saying here. At this point, my mother was refusing to take any meds, treatments, or tests they offered her unless they called her daughter, me, she said, to okay with me first. I was so suspicious, I admit, I gave that bully and nurse a difficult time, she says. <laughs> when she was finally discharged, my mother said, I think they are afraid of us. A small consolation given the matter of remdesivir. That was... Get a load of this, Dr. McCullough. This was 
September 28, 2023. It just happened, by the way. I didn't think, she says, this kind of thing was still going on, Cheryl says. So my question is, what kind of harm uh, is, is this? Does this, this does one dose of remdesivir do, if any, she's saying, likely to do to my mother? The full course was to have been five doses. What do you say to that story? You know, there's so much to unpack. First off, I don't even know if she had COVID. She got a flu shot. She felt a little sick. She went into AFib probably because of the flu shot and the inflammation. She just had it for a minute. She goes and she goes to the hospital. Maybe she had a false positive COVID test. Then they slam her in the hospital and try to give her remdesivir. You know, people need to understand the WHO said don't use remdesivir in November 2020, and they're sticking to their guns on that. Doesn't help people, can cause harm. Now, fortunately, one dose of remdesivir, she's probably fine. I agree that steroids probably made her feel better. But now's the time for judgment. We can't have people panic when they, you know, have aches and pains and things like this. We have to manage things at home. The people in the hospital aren't thinking right. And you can see what that motivation of that nurse was. It was trying to get the remdesivir added bonus reimbursement to the hospital stay. And that was happening throughout COVID. They got reimbursed all those dollars, keep in mind. They got reimbursed, as I understand it, Dr. McCullough, multiple levels. If it was COVID on the chart, even if you went in for a hang toenail and you by chance might have had any aspect of it, past, it came up anywhere, it was quickly marked on the chart. They got a bonus for that. A bonus for the vaccine, a bonus for the uh, the uh, remdesivir, and I guess a bonus if the patient died. Now, uh, I, well, that doesn't even sound nice. I mean, am I overstating it? It doesn't sound nice, but this is what's called perverse incentives. You're right. Hospitals got extra bonuses for all of these things. Instead, hospitals and clinics should have gotten bonuses for keeping people out of the hospital and treating them at home. That would have been a win-win. But perverse incentives are bad things, Malcolm, and this is a case in point. You know, between that point that you make right there and the point back to what we talked about earlier, that earlier question on the Hippocratic Oath and the show you just recently did on it, I mean, it just shows you how bad and how upside down uh, our healthcare industry is and how what a sad state of affairs it has sadly become. I don't even know what to say about it. A lot of people should begin to pray um, for some sort of, uh, I don't know. I mean, because they surely fell far off the Hippocratic Oath, but more than that, the people who died unnecessarily from this, uh, whatever happened, um, it was a bad deal all the way around. They tried to give the remdesivir to my wife. If you all remember that story when um, Dr. McCullough and I talked about it early on, and I had an attorney on hold when we had to do that because her oxygen levels had fallen so low. And by the grace of God, we were able to save her life. But she was close to death, keep in mind, what we went through when the Delta variant hit. It was the worst time. And and I remember those moments. And they tried to give the remdesivir to her. I, I, that's why this story was so important to me uh, from uh, Cheryl. And I just had to take the time to get it out there. And for her to say, this just happened. This is still going on. And you say, well... Sadly, some of it is, and uh, there's just a lot of bad stuff out there. You know, karma is bad. If they say what goes around comes around, some of these people are going to have a hard time ahead, I have to tell you here. I'm going to end it with this last question, which um, is a, it's, 
it's the question, Dr. McCullough, is four words. Four words. Brace yourself now. It's a profound question. It might be one of the most profound we've asked to date. And I, I just want to end with this. Four words. This is the question from Deidre. When will this end? Deidre, I don't know. <clears throat> I have a great fear that this is going to go on for a very long time. People have it in the minds to hurt other people right now. We see it all over the world. And the mechanism by which it's happening is with the vaccines. So we have to fully brace ourselves for this. No one's going to save us now. We have to save ourselves. We're in some type of spiritual war right now. And no one's going to step in and save you. You've got to save yourself. That is uh, perfectly said uh, from my um, colleague, my brother and friend here, Dr. Peter McCullough, um, just perfectly said. And the way uh, you said it, I mean, it's so important. But yeah, what a question that is. When will this end? Think about it. And right after that quandary I throw out there from Cheryl, right here in the last couple of months on remdesivir in the hospital tells you it's not over and you have to always have your guard up and be careful and passionate uh, about uh, those you're working with and the you know the information that's been given to you making the right decisions in your life it's critical it's critical and having a healthy life is important it's something we talk about a lot on the platform here and that's why we we uh, talk about healthy lifestyle and and immune systems that are positive. I, I, I've been so pleased to be able to do this on our network with and working with doctors like this. And uh, all the shows are t do take Q&As. The, the nurses are doing their Q&As now, and they're doing marvelous. Uh, those shows, I think, come out on Mondays, I believe it is. But you can ask questions. They have their own email address here, nurses at americaoutloud.com. And the, the, they'll go right to them, nurses at a, or just go to the drop down menu to the nurses show, Nurses Out Loud, and, um, and you know, you can ask the question there as well. However you send it in, we'll, we'll get it to them or send it directly to them, nurses at americaoutloud.com. Looking for healing radio as well. Dr. Brian Artis, Dr. Henry Ely, Dr. Janice Schmidt, Nicola Burnett, an amazing group of people, and they're doing amazing work there. Naturopathic, um, uh, holistic health, feeling good, all of that, which we embrace here very much as well. It all has a place in our lives. Wishing you a jump in your step as always. Thank you for joining us here on the mission of America Out Loud Pulse. Always a beat ahead. Mm -hmm.